you're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, join us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. So again, we are in week two of our Return to Me series and um, just want to get us um, started. Uh, it's a shorter time of message today, hopefully. And I always say that. It's always the intent. But the Word of God is there, and, and I'm a talker. So uh, I invite you to turn to the book of Joel. We don't often go there, not a large book. As you turn there, uh, Joel is most likely uh, contemporary of Elisha. All right? So, Old Testament guy. Uh, prophet, and um, there's some debate about exactly when he could have lived because there's no record of the king. Usually a prophet would mention who's the king at the time, so this weird little gap where um, there's not a king. Some people think he lived then. Regardless, we're talking like somewhere between 500 and 800 B.C., all right? So it's a good bit ago, just a, just a little bit, just a little bit. And so that's, that's when Joel would have lived. And the beauty of God's words is it's timeless. Like it almost doesn't matter when he lived because what he wrote is true and will then one day also come to pass in one of the passages we're going to be reading. So I'm going to get in verse uh, 12 of chapter 2 in our Return to Me series. Yet even now declares the Lord. Yet even now, right now, no bad time, yet even now, declares the Lord, here it is again, return to me. Return to me with all your heart. Are you seeing a theme already in week two? Hopefully. Maybe the, at least for nothing else, the series is aptly named, right? Return to me. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. And rend your hearts. I love that word. We don't rend things often anymore, but rend your hearts and not your garments. Because again, we know from, from Samuel, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the, the heart. He says, I don't care about the outward stuff, your fancy cars, your cars you don't even have, your apartments, your condos, your townhouses, your homes. I don't care about that stuff. Give me your heart. Rend your heart. Now, I want to pause here and keep your finger in this passage because we're coming back to it. We're coming back to a lot in this passage. But this rend your hearts idea comes and taps into a theme back in Deuteronomy. All right? So if you want to keep your finger there and turn back with me, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, early, early first books of the Bible, right? Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 here. And you'll see we're going to get to this point. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I've set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and you return to the Lord your God, huh? Huh? You and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Give it all, not some then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. He will gather you again from all the, the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. 
If you're outcasts or in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. All right, This is kind of where that rend your heart comes from. Now, now ladies, you probably don't know the joy that is circumcision. Men, I pray you don't remember circumcision. But we all know what it is, right? So have kind of that image in your brain, like, we're going to cut this thing open. Like, expose the heart. It's going to be sore. It's going to be raw. It's going to hurt. It's going to be some major ouch. Rend your hearts. That you will circumcise your heart. Ouch. And the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. Let's keep going. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. Let's go through 8. Seven. So this rending of the hearts thing, it's a pretty important deal. The God's, it shows that God is majorly focused on what we do with our hearts, right? There's several thematic elements, I guess you could say, primarily Jesus throughout the Old and New Testament, weaving through the story God's grace and God's glory. But that's not the only thing that is in Old and New Testament. You see, God has a major concern for what you and I do with our hearts. What we do with our hearts how we surrender our hearts, if we have sin in our hearts, if we have unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts, all that really matters. And we, we pretend that it doesn't. We go about our daily lives and no one will maybe even know that I did not forgive that person. And God does. And what we do with our hearts matters. Search my heart, O oh God. How often do we ask that? I know the answer because I'm right there with you. Not enough. Not enough. Search my heart, O oh God. Am I giving you my, my whole heart? Am I giving you the best and all? Or some. Let's go back to the book of Joel now. And have that in your mind and we come with rending our hearts. Return to the Lord your God in verse 13. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room in the bride or chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Why should our land today be like, Well, this pandemic thing, where's God now? This situation in your life, where's that God you believe in? 
Where's that paycheck you wanted? Where's that new car? Where's the blessings? And the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. And the Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you. And all those who love biscuits and sweet tea gave a shout. It's a joke. I will remove the northerner far from you and drive him into a parched and desolate land and his vanguard into the eastern sea and his rear guard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell, he going to stink of him will rise for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice. For the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit and the fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the elderly rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain is before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain, a lot of food. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper and the destroyer, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter. Angry words for a tiny bug. A tiny bug did a lot of damage, and that's where Joel's writing this from because they just have a previous pandemic of locusts. You can read about that in where the book begins in chapter 1. This pandemic of locusts swept the land and ate everything up. So it was very relevant to them. So if you need a life application, you can think about, well, we don't have a locust problem today, but there's definitely a few other things going around, a few other bugs. So don't worry, fear not. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am the midst of Israel and I am the Lord your God and there is none else. And my people shall ever again, now never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is where for me, because I got to play in the songs, I get the joy of seeing some of this worship stuff come together. There's a song we're going to do later. Pour out your spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the great moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, saved from what? Saved from your sin. Which, because of your sin, grants you without repentance a lifetime, eternity, in the wondrous place of, yes, hell. Separation. Permanently from God. From Mount Zion and Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're going to break down a, a few of these verses in the beginning of, of the book of, of chapter 2 here. Uh, I want to highlight, to start off with, verses 12 and 13. Yet even now, where we began today, yet even now... 
Lord says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. We're talking about what that means to rend your hearts. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. And here, we, we breeze past it the first time. Hopefully, when you read the word, then you go back and, and you go over it again and say, well, what's going on here? And one of the things that's going on here is that here in the book of Joel, he gives us a little bit of insight into the character of God. For who is he? Here in verse 13. For he, God, is, if you're following along, gracious. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Now, those are pretty good characteristics, right? I say so. I think so. Who wouldn't want to run and submit themselves and surrender to someone who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents over disaster. Now, I know I've done wrong, and you know that you've done wrong. And how often that wrong happens. Mistakes are intentional, either way. We are sinful people, right? And we can't move forward in this Return to Me series if we don't really get our brains wrapped around repentance. Because we're in need of it. And it starts with you and it starts with me. Now you and me make up the church. And that lesson's coming. About repentance. For the church. For today. Search my heart, O oh God. See if there be any grievous things, nasty things hiding in any sin, any error, any wrongdoing. And God, when there is, we get the privilege to humbly approach the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who, though is righteous and holy and powerful and awesome and mighty, He's also gracious and merciful. If we could run to the Father... I broke something as a kid or something. And I knew my dad was going to be these things. I may have grown up a different kid. Think about that for a second. You may have grown up a different person. You and I are all children of God. Those of us who know him, called by his name. And our God, our Father is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I want to run to that guy when I've done wrong. Who wouldn't? Because we think he doesn't know. Try to hide something from him. A couple weeks ago, on the day we did our We Have Our Savior thingy on December 19th, we went out to lunch with some friends of ours who were down from Atlanta from when we used to live there. and uh, We were visiting them uh, with them and we went to lunch. And on the way home from lunch... Old Pastor Josh here almost tarnished his flawless driving record, and he got pulled over. I was tired. My wife will tell you how little sleep I got in the two weeks before, and I just went plumb through the red light at Aurora and Wickham. I got my dummy, just blanked, totally blanked. And Lisa's like, what did you just do? I don't know. Like literally right, like he's the car behind me. Like 
And I just, I'm, I'm that, ugh. And I pull over into the tire kingdom, right? And I give him my, my cards and my info. It's only like the second time I've like ever been pulled over, right? Last warning was 15 years ago. Every, every 15 years, I get a warning. You know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> and this young officer, I think Kendrick, whatever his name was, comes up, and I got Landon and the kids in the backseat. Daddy, why is the police officer here? Shush, shush, Landon. <laughs> what does he want? Daddy, Daddy made a boo-boo, all right? I give him my information. He's like, you know, I'm like, I just give me the ticket, man. Like, I know exactly, I just, I ran the red light. I just blank, wasn't even paying attention, trying to talk with my wife, talking with my kids. I'm tired. He's like, all right, I'll be right back. Here it comes. I know I did it. The worse than the ticket was the scolding from my wife. Uh, just give me the piece of paper, but woman, I love you. I know. I know I've done wrong. I know it. You don't have to take you were in the car with me, like I don't know. So here comes yeah, I'm like, here comes a ticket. And the officer comes back and says, Hey, uh, I give you a warning today. Have a nice day. And he, and he leaves. And, and that's it. Like, okay. My soul got et up, wondering why. Why did he not give me a ticket? He's the car behind me. If he wanted the easy quota to, to give me a ticket, give me a ticket. And I'm, I'm saying, bring it on, because I ran the red light. Like, I know what I did. I know I did wrong. Give me the ticket. I almost wanted it to feel better, you know? <laughs> that way I don't have to feel like I've, you know, got to drive perfect anymore. But, you know, just give me the ticket. I know I'd done wrong. But he let me go. And I, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why he let me go. Never will, probably, unless I bump into him somewhere else, hopefully on a non-working day. <laughs> I don't know why he let me go. But the word of God here, when we repent, say, God, I know I've done wrong. I do know why God forgives. I don't know why Officer Kendrick forgives, but I do know why God forgives. Why? Because he's gracious and, and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. That's who our God is, and we know. We can say, hey, I've done wrong. I got a ticket. This is really bad. And we can run to this guy and say, I'm, I'm sorry. And yeah, in love you might get discipline. But it's still Okay. It's not lifetime imprisonment if you know God. Because this is who our God is. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent, leave a blessing behind him. Who knows? You don't know. I don't know the heart of God other than what is laid out for us in Scripture. Because God is about God. And our sovereign God acts according to God's purposes and God's plan. Who knows? We've got to repent. So then going into 15, 16. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. What do you think this series is really doing, hopefully? It was bringing our congregation into a different environment. We're consecrating our congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. It doesn't matter. Bring them. But they can't speak. Ah, let him be in the presence of the Most High God. 
let the bridegroom leave his room. <laughs> you know, he don't want to. Men, right? It's your wedding night. No, we're at the Wyndham. That's where we are. I'm just there. We did all that engagement time to get married. And oh, now? Yes, now. Even now. Come. But we're, but no, come. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the minister of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord. Spare your people, O Lord. And this, this asking repentance, spare people, we've done wrong. We've got the ticket, God, hear our prayer, search our hearts. It's got to be a priority in our lives. And again, searching for worship songs and stuff for today, I just do a Google search for worship songs about repentance. There are like four from like, 1988 by Steve Green. It's not a good song. I know people need the Lord. I know, okay, but 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 the other ones, no, it's just not a good song. Like there's, we like singing about God is good. Yeah, that's good. And God, and God does these amazing things. And and do what you are famous for. Raise a hallelujah. We sing all these things. And what is lacking in our modern song theology is. I done messed up. Very few songs on that. God, I'm a sinner. Not a popular message in 2022. God, I need to be forgiven. I'm eternally banished if I'm not. Hooray! That's a great one. But that's the reality. So we're going to sing a song in a few moments during our time of communion. I've got to go back, I don't know, to 1835, one of my favorite hymns. It's called Come, You Sinners, Poor and Needy. You're invited to listen. If you actually know it, sing with me, <laughs> please. <laughs> please. Um, but I've got to go back that far. Come, you sinners, poor and needy. Why do we have to go back 170-something years for a decent Christian song on repentance. Because we've been rich for a long time. We've been spoiled. We're the people who had everything. Now we're being scattered to a different land and a whole bunch of different things. And we need to return to the Lord. Return to me. And you've heard it three, four, five, six, seven times already throughout this two-week series already. Return to me. Return to the Lord. We got to come back to the Lord with repentance. And this is not just an Old Testament hellfire and brimstone boo hoo hoo message. Two places I want to show you echo the exact same thing. Book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 17. This is right after the, the temptation of Jesus before the calling of the disciples. Jesus is beginning his ministry. And the first thing we hear Jesus ever like saying in his ministerial life is this in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent! Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' words weren't, Hey, I'm going to die for you in three years. And when I'm going to be there at Golgotha, it's going to be a happening place, man. There's going to be an earthquake. Temple's going to shake. Big old lightning storm is going to get dark at 3 p.m. Who knows why? I'm going to be at a cross. I want to see you there. No, that's not his words. His words are repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Next book, Mark chapter 1, 
The beginning of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Jesus again beginning his ministry. And after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying again, here the time is fulfilled. I'm here. The prophecies, son of God, I'm here. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Ta-da! Right? Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Jesus' first words were, repent. And without his first words of repent, his later words of it is finished, do us no good. He came to save mankind, save us all. If we're going to honor the last words he said, we've got to go to the first words he said. Repent. There's a lost world. There's a lost people, lost generation. There are probably people who think they're Christians. And they don't repent. They've never repented. Never have that, quote, unquote, come to Jesus moment, as silly as it sounds. But it's true. We've got to repent. You gotta return to the Lord. And He knows your heart. And we're not gonna stand up and do some weird confessional thing today, but you gotta confess something. And so do I. You may have to confess something to your brother or sister, husband, wife, kids, even. After this, God calls your heart in that way. But church, you and I need to repent. And you know of what? And I guarantee you it's not one thing. We like to think, oh, there's one thing. (laughs) No, and the more we think about it, the list we make, the sinners we are. sinners we are. So we call upon the name of the Lord. And there are some you may know Jehovah Jireh the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nisi the Lord my banner. Jehovah Shalom you can probably figure out what that one is. The Lord my peace. Jehovah Shaddaioth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. Jehovah Raha, Rapha, the Lord he, who heals. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Adonai, Lord and Master. Yahweh, Lord. El Elyon, the Most High God. Elohim, God. There's one we're going to learn today. Jehovah Mekodishkim. Jehovah Mekodishkim. That means the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah, Mekodishkim. The Lord who sanctifies. If you don't know what sanctifies is, this isn't going to be an important word for you. Because sanctifies means to declare holy, to set apart, to make legitimate, and then here to free from sin and to purify. The Lord who frees us from sin. The Lord who frees us from our impurities. The Lord who can purify our life. 
It comes about through repentance. Jehovah Mekodishkim, the Lord who sanctifies. And you and I and our church is in need of some sanctification, right? I can't be the only one who thinks this. We've got to return to the Lord with a heavy heart that only He can light. Take, I'm going to lay this at your feet. Here's where I messed up. And you know it. Maybe some things back in the darkest recesses of my mind or soul that I've never told anybody, but you know. Some things I've done that I've thought I kept hidden and no one's caught me yet, but you know. It's time. Nothing hidden. No darkness. Leave it with Jehovah Mekadishkim, the Lord who frees us from our sin. Because that's what he came to do.